Amo the Grey. D Lope, Big Greedy, whatever you want to call me. One more episode, man. Um, you know, I'm a TV guy, so I get to watching shit that interests me. And lately, I've seen, like, I'm a big Tupac fan. I've been that way. You know, I'm an 80s baby. So Tupac really meant something to me in the time he was here. Shit that he done. And right now, they got a special out called Dear Mama, where it kind of follows the legacy of him and his mom, Afini Shakur. Rest in peace to both of them. And I've been watching it, and I've seen all this Tupac shit over all the years, and it never ceases to amaze me how much this nigga uh, accomplished in a short amount of time. And even furthermore, the type of criticism he gets sometimes from people so many years after he passed away. You look at a lot of these New York niggas, Funk, Funk Master Flex, and they just feel a way about him still. You know, nigga been dead since 1996. I can guarantee you there's someone listening to this podcast right now that wasn't born in 1996. And you got niggas still upset about shit. That a nigga 25 and younger did or said hurt him that bad. But anyway, man, that inspired me to dedicate an episode to Tupac. So I just wanted to go over a couple of the things that he accomplished, some of the things he done. And I want to kind of put it in perspective. Uh, what type of nigga it takes to do this in such a short amount of time. So start from the top. He was born in 1971 in June. Uh, a lot of criticism you'll hear is, is New York niggas being like, he ain't even from Los Angeles. He ain't from the West Coast. He's from New York. It's very true, man. Tupac was born in Harlem. He a Gemini, so that gives you the duality, you know, the two sides of a person, because a lot of people would say he, he contradicted himself, which he did. But we're all contradictions, right? We all have a good and a bad. We all got an up and a down. So that's really nothing different. So, Tupac was born in 1971 and born into poverty like most uh, black people, especially in that time. You know, his mom was a Black Panther, a Feeney. Shout out to her once again. She was part of the Panther, Panther 21. They got locked up for, you know, terrorist acts, perceived terrorist acts during this time frame. So she was actually pregnant in, in jail waiting for a trial. She was pregnant with Tupac while she was locked up. She ended up representing herself. She ended up getting out. So, uh, you know, their life started after that. Um, I don't know too much between the time he was born in 1983, but that's when they started documenting things about him. He was uh, started acting. He did The Raising in the Sun. If you look online or seen some docs, you'll see a couple videos and pictures from that time frame when he was acting in A Raising in the Sun. He did that in 1983. He's 12 years old. A little bit of time passed between then and uh, him and his family, him, his younger sister and his mom, they moved to Baltimore. And Baltimore in 1986 was a wild place. Baltimore in 2023 is a wild place. Like a lot of people don't really understand what goes down in there. But if you've been there or you're from there or you know somebody, you know. So shout out to my nigga Will, man. That's one of Baltimore's finest. What's happening with it, Will? Um, moved to Baltimore in 86. And that's where he met Jada Pinkett. So being born in 71, moving there, meeting her in 1986, that lets him be 15 years old. So, you know, that's that teenage love. If you experience teenage love and you have adults tell you too young, you don't know what that shit mean. It's nothing. It's puppy love. You know better. You know that puppy love is some of the strongest love out there. So her meeting him 
at that time in her life, that might explain why the fuck she still stalks him past his death to this day. Shout out to Will Smith for dealing with that. But anyway, they're in Baltimore for a couple years. Her family gets up. They moved to Marin City, California in uh, 1988. And this is around the time where his mom gets on crack. You know what I'm saying? Tupac starts getting into poetry. And Marin City, anybody in the uh, Northern California Bay Area knows Marin County is one of the richest counties in Northern California. Marin City is kind of like the pimple on the ass of the county. It's the little hood out there, high rises and shit. So he's out there in that. His mom doing drugs. He starts trying to find himself. And he get around with uh, Shock G, uh, Money B, you know, Digital Underground. He ended up signing with Digital Underground in 1990. So that's two years from the time he got there. 1990 would have made Tupac 18 or 19 years old. Signs his first record label. He goes and works. He's a roadie. Goes on the... Uh, Goes on tour with them. And, you know, if you can see old videos, he's a background dancer. Nigga is doing all kind of wild shit, but he's doing what he got to do to get on. Keep in mind, once again, this is an 18 or 19-year-old kid. From what uh, Shock G said in the documentary, Tupac's bugging him, bugging him, bugging him. They end up getting a, a verse on a song called The Same Song. Anybody that knows the same song, Tupac killed that shit. So that kind of brought him into his own little celebrity. You know what I'm saying? So he starts to become some of a celebrity. Then in 1991, this is just within months of him signing his contract, the Oakland police sweat him downtown, asked to see his ID. His ID says Tupac Amaru Shakur, because that's his name. And these racist motherfuckers ain't trying to hear that African-ass name, so they start pressing him. Tupac's a hothead. He starts talking back. They beat the shit out of him. And you can see the pictures of it online where his face is scuffed up. He ended up actually suing the city of Oakland. I don't know if he won. I think he did actually win a lawsuit, but he didn't get a ton of money for it. It's a 20-year-old kid. Keep keep up with me, right? A lot of us went through that type of shit at 20. So on the heels of the p- police brutality thing, Tupac ends up dropping uh, and recording his first major solo album. It's called Tupacalypse Now. That came out the same year, 1991. This is his first album, y'all. He had songs on there called Trapped. If my homies call and the standout track was Brenda's got a baby. If you hit the Brenda's got a baby, that's some real deep shit, man. It's a real deep song about some some shit that happens in the bottoms, like not in the hood, but in the bottoms to the poorest of people, to the worst of circumstances. And he eloquently made that into a song at a time where people weren't talking about shit like that. So needless to say, like the record label wasn't happy about it, whatever, but he put it out and it was a success. So I think about this time. 1990, 1991, when this album dropped, this would have been about the time I first heard of Tupac, personally. I was a young nigga. I might have been like 10 years old. And um, I started to see who he was. You know, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but it wasn't cable TV like that. It was There was no internet. So, you know, we used to watch Yo! MTV raps or stuff like that. I don't even think BT was out at the time. But we started to start seeing Tupac come across the TV I started to immediately gravitate towards him because even through TV, he had like an energy that's, you know, when someone walk in the room and they take the air out the room without talking, it's just someone that you got to pay attention to, like a magnetism. He had that shit naturally. So that type of magnetism and led him next year, 1992, where he started acting, played the role of Bishop and Juice. And a lot of people that know him, they say this when he kind of started losing it because he started to believe he was the character that he portrayed in the movie. Now, there's a such thing as method acting and getting deep into the character. And there's uh, 
you know, situations where the actors had trouble coming out of character. Now, I don't know if the movie did this to him or all the stuff he had been through up to that point turned him a little more aggressive. But keep in mind, this guy, he's a son of a of a Black Panther. He's a son of a prominent Black Panther. He's educated. He's well-read. He's smart. He's a reader. And he's Black. And he understands that. You know, a lot of us, we don't understand our Blackness. We don't understand what that means until we get into our 30s and 40s. He understood that in his early 20s, late teens. And when you got hormones going on at that age and you have like a little bit less of a filter and you got a camera in your face and you got a little bit of money, you know, all that stuff right there could turn somebody. And it seemed like that's what I think probably happened with him. But moving on to next year, he went on to do Poetic Justice. He played Lucky, Mailman, um, co-star with Janet Jackson, 1993. Same year, 1993, he dropped the album Strictly for My Niggas. Now, as big of a Tupac fan as I am, that's my least favorite album. I don't have a lot to say about it. It came out around when, like, Nas came out and shit, and I just really was fucking with Nas and shit more. Even though I still fuck with Tupac, I fucked with his music, his acting, his persona, everything. But music-wise, at that time, I was really getting more into, like, the New York shit, into the, you know what I'm saying, that that spitter shit. Nas was doing this thing back then, so shout-out to Nas anyway. That same year, 1993, he goes down to Atlanta, and it's an incident where he's with some of his family members. I believe it's his cousin. He spoke on in the dock. And they randomly see two white guys accosting a black man crossing the street. Tupac gets into it. Uh, allegedly, like, the white guy shows a gun to Tupac, tells him to get the fuck on. Tupac pulls a gun out, shoots him in the ass, shoots the other dude in the back from what they've said. And these guys ended up being off-duty police. He didn't face any charges for it because it was shown that the police was drunk and that they was harassing the guy. So he actually got off on that. And I'll hear like goofy ass niggas speculate like he didn't know they was cops. He didn't do that. Look, he's seen a black man as a black man being accosted by two white men in the South. And he did something about it. Right. I don't care about the particulars, whatever you believe to be the truth. That's some gangster shit. That's some real shit. As a matter of fact. In this day and time where everyone pulls a phone out to record people getting beat on by the police or beat on by others or even like George Floyd, rest in peace. If a nigga like Tupac would have been there, there's no way he was going to be able to sit on his neck for nine minutes because some people are just activated that way. He is one of the ones, man. So, you know what I'm saying? Keep it real. Quit trying to pick apart shit and try and put your own little narrative on it because nigga done did some shit you wouldn't do. You know what I'm saying? If we keep it 100% real, he did some shit you wouldn't have did. So he did that shit. Next year came around um, above the rim. Great role. He played Birdie. That's a movie that I'll still watch to this day. Birdie Mac was in there. Wood Harris, Dwayne Martin, Marlon Wayne. Really good movie, man. If you've seen Above the Rim, you know that's a classic. So still during the Above the Rim time, <laughs> this nigga gets shot. This is 1994 now. Like I said, he was born in 71, so in 94, he's either going to be 22 or 23 years old. He gets shot at Quad City, you know, the whole thing where it went left with the New York niggas with Haitian Jack. Later on, we find out Jimmy Henchman, King Tut, you know what I'm saying, Lil Sean studio section, and Biggie and them was there. So that happens to him. We ain't going to get into into all that. But, you know, that, that little fuse under him. So he gets shot in 1995. And at the same time, he gets convicted for, originally was charged for a rape, which, come on, man, you know what I'm saying? But end up, they end up dropping it to, like, 
lewd conduct, like touching a girl's ass. Same girl had gave him head on the dance floor. But that's another story. You know what I'm saying? So he goes to prison. His album, Me Against the World, drops. This is now 1995. While he's in prison, Me Against the World goes number one. That's a lot of people's favorite Tupac album. Me personally, I love the the title track, Me Against the World. I love Outlaw. I love just that's that's one of my favorite albums, man. He got so many tracks on there. It's like probably one of his best albums for sure. But he he does that. He's in prison while that happens. He don't even get to see it go number one. He gets antsy in pri- in prison, you know what I'm saying? And should comes to Bell Mountain. This is kind of started in. This is still 95, 1995 in October. Should comes and bails Tupac out on that charge. He signs a contract on a napkin. Shows you how desperate he was to get out of jail. So he gets out with Suge. He goes to the West Coast, and now he's in war mode. You know what I'm saying? New York shot him. New York locked him up. He's not feeling New York. He starts beefing with a lot of New York niggas. But at the same time, I, you know, honestly, it's kind of weird. I didn't understand it because the outlaws started coming around. They from New Jersey. So it wasn't an East Coast, West Coast thing. It was just he was mashing on whoever he felt had did him wrong, and they just happened to be from New York. You know what I'm saying? So he gets out to the West Coast. He starts getting on his gangster shit with them niggas, and it's where it starts to go bad. So All Eyes on Me comes out February 13, 1996. Double CD, classic album, and he had a lot of features on that. You know, he had a lot of the West Coast niggas. Shout out to the Bay Area niggas. E-40 was on that thing. Sebo was on that thing. Uh, you know, a lot of them niggas was on that shit. Spice One, I believe, was on there. Was Spice on there? I don't remember if Spice was on there or not. But he had the Dog Pound niggas on there. He even had Method Man on there. Double CD, Richie Rich. Shout out to Richie Rich. You know what I'm saying? But All Eyes on Me comes out in 1996. This is just a couple months after he got out of prison. He's already dropping a double CD, so, you know, he got out and went straight to work. All Eyes on Me starts running it up. Uh, a little later, two months after All Eyes on Me came out, August of 96, Hit Him Up. Hit Him Up came out. You know what I'm saying? So once Hit Him Up dropped, uh, uh, it was up. That was when it was no more insinuating. It was just names being said, threats being made. So Hit Him Up drops. The album Machiavelli dropped, August 1996 also, The Seven Day Theory. And this album got so many Easter eggs and clues and little shit in there that it's like, Man, it made you wonder, did he pass away after he did? Because people dissected the album for years. That was a, that was another classic album, by the way, man. Recipe's Badass. That song, Crazy, was one of my favorite songs ever. You know what I'm saying? On Machiavelli, To Live and Die in L.A. was crazy. Bomb first, off the hook, against all lies. Bananas. You know what I'm saying? He had hits on that motherfucker, but he dropped that thing in August. And as you know, passed away in September. So he got to see Machiavelli... Seven Day Three album run for one month. Got shot, killed in Vegas. You know what I'm saying? I lived the last 20 years of my life in Vegas, and I've been to the spot where he got killed at multiple times. A lot of times in September, around the day he died, they'll go down there and put on for him. But to this day, I've never been able to figure out how nobody ain't get caught. That was an inside job. If you know, you know, you're not moving around the strip area in Vegas, Cobo and Flamingo. You can't shoot nobody right there and get away especially when it's the weekend and it's a Mike Tyson fight and it's all this, like, that shit was orchestrated, you feel me? But it is what it is. So after Tupac died, he had a movie called Gang Related uh, came out. He was like a crooked cop and that shit. They didn't even finish filming it. They put the movie out and it just stopped like three quarters of the way through you. They just wanted to put out any sort of um, stuff they had on them. They just wanted to put it out to the public at the time. So 
that's what they did. But, you know, he had multiple posthumous albums. Are You Still Down was my favorite one, man. There got to be like a Machiavelli 5 and 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever. But that's that's a lot in a short amount of time. But just to wrap it up and and kind of um, put this in perspective for you, okay? When Tupac really became famous was 1992 when he acted in Juice. Tupac died in 1996. That's four years. Now, keep in mind, during this shit, he got shot. He went to prison. He was in jail multiple different times. He did all this shit in within a four-year span. Now, four years sound like a decent amount of time, but to put it in perspective, COVID started in the end of 2019. Like, November, December 2019 is when the first cases of COVID hit the United States. We're in 2023. That's almost four years. So from the time we heard of COVID until now, that's about how long Tupac lived. And think of the motherfucking impact this nigga made in that short amount of time. Now, you got people that's my age and older, my age and older, that'll sit around and criticize him and say he was a fake gangster, he was stupid, he was whatever, whatever, whatever. This is a young black nigga born to the inner city that had a militant family. He had a militant family. He didn't have the luxury of being oblivious about what life really was until you get old enough to figure it out for yourself. He was born into that shit. Now, a lot of us right now, you know, especially during COVID, we had a chance to sit down. A lot of us started doing our ancestry. A lot of us started looking deeper into the ways of the world. We're doing this in our 30s and 40s. He understood these things in, as a teenager and in his 20s because they was taught to him. So he didn't have the luxury of being oblivious. You know, ignorance is bliss, they say. So he didn't have the luxury to be ignorant to a lot of this shit. So if you put this knowledge into the body of a person that's coming into their manhood, that's aggressive, that's turned up, do you think they're going to make some mistakes? Yeah, they're going to make some mistakes, man, and he made his fair share. But to sit up here and second-guess and Monday, Monday morning quarterback a lot of this shit, I just think it's some whole-ass shit. So y'all niggas stop doing that, man. You know, I got some good friends. They do that. They try and dissect it. That was a 25-year-old kid that died, and he left enough information. He left enough artwork behind that I could talk about him in 2023, that they could put another brand-new documentary out on him in 2023. I could listen to a Tupac album right now and it's, it's jamming. It don't sound like no hippity hip hip hoppy you don't stop a rocker. It ain't that. You know what I'm saying? It was turned up. That shit always gonna matter. So once and for all, man, rest in peace to Tupac. One of the best ever uh, did it. Quit trying shit on his legacy, man. Show some respect where it's due. Anyways, I thank y'all for tapping in, man. Um, I have been hitting some folks up because I've been getting a lot of good feedback on some of the music that I've been having. So I got a song coming, man. I hope you guys like it. Shout out to NDL. The little homie NDL represent out of Leary, Ohio. You know what I'm saying? New York City, Bronx, New York. He one of them. I got a song called Taliban. His name, NDL. If you want to follow the little homie on IG, his IG is at Los, L-O-S underscore Santos 1. That's Los underscore Santos one on Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Hit him up. He got some music on there. He doing his stuff. He got some visuals. But anyway, I'm going to drop this song right now. Man, y'all have a good one. Thanks for tapping in. This is Taliban by NDL. Y'all get with me.